Hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks Everybody, um, with me, your host, Jackson Stone, and I got another special guest. I guess we're just coming, we're coming with the hits here on Jackson Talks Everybody. Um, but yeah, I'm joined today by another uh, very successful, uh, very well-traveled uh, independent professional wrestler, um, uh, GPA. Welcome to the show, man. Uh, nice to be here. And uh, yeah, I, I guess that works. It, it successful is, is a relative term, but I'll, I'll take it. It is a it is a relative term. It, whatever it means to you. What is I mean, we can we'll hop right in. I love it. Um, what is that? What does successful mean to you? Uh, I mean, to be honest, that that uh, has kind of been altered over the past uh, few years because I think I think I'm uh, safe to say that like when you first come in, uh, you aim for the highest level. Like you think that success in wrestling is getting signed to a multi-million dollar contract. You know, being at the main event of WrestleMania, biggest star in the world. Like that's success when you first enter wrestling. But I think once you're in it for a while, you realize that like the personal gratification aspect of it is a lot bigger than I think you realize when you start. So yeah, my, I think the, the goalposts have been shifted for me a little bit where it's like, obviously I'd love to, you know, reach the highest level and be the biggest star in the world. But at this point, I think just uh, being happy with my work personally is kind of uh, what success has amounted to or what, what I define as success at this point. Yeah, I think that's totally true. You know, especially we're in the new year. So a lot of people are talking about like goals and resolutions and and stuff like that. And and for for us wrestlers, that's like really hard right now because we don't know what's going on. Right. Just like with the whole world, we don't really know what's going on. Things seem to be getting better with more vaccinations and stuff, which is fantastic. But also other things keep getting worse, <laughs> which is hard. Um, yeah. So success, I think, is like a personal journey. And uh, I think for wrestlers, we 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 always wanted to be a wrestler when we were young and so just having one professional wrestling match in front of a crowd is actually a dream come true and so if we can kind of hold on to that like our child self like putting on our some trunks with our made up wrestling names on our butt and like wrestling in front of people that's like really cool and if we can kind of take that that like that sense with us through our career um maybe it helps us with kind of the the bullshit that comes with being in professional wrestling, you know? Yeah, I, I really do agree. And I think that I'm, I don't know if, if lucky is the right word, but like for me, a lot of the um, relative success that I've achieved has come kind of later in my career. So I would say I was toiling away, like doing local Chicago feds for the first probably six, seven years of my career. And it was only in the past few years that I've started actually, you know, getting plane tickets and getting down to other states and different parts of the country. So when I'm able to do those things now, I think I better appreciate like how cool that is, you know, like I'm having my my travel paid for. I'm getting to fight people that, you know, I have heard good things about from other places and other parts of the country, people that have been on TV or whatever it is. So like, I think uh, it, you can definitely fall into the trap of, of too much too soon in wrestling I think like you'll see a lot of people that start out and they're barely out of training school and all of a sudden they're getting tryouts and they're on tv and you know I think it kind of skews your perception of how all this stuff actually works because I think you and I both know it takes a lot <laughs> you know it takes a lot of work a lot of time a lot of struggling to really uh 
get to whatever the next level is in wrestling for you. So um, I'm happy that I'm able to really appreciate like what I am earning at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you've been coming down to Texas. I mean, before all the coronavirus stuff happened, you were coming down to Texas on a, on a pretty regular basis, I would say. Um, how did that come about? Like when did that start happening? Cause I thought, I don't think I was living here in Texas when you started coming here regularly. So I missed you for the most part. I think we were on maybe one or two shows together here specifically in, in Dallas. Um, but yeah, when did art start happening? So that was, I think, uh, I want to say 2018. It was either the end of 2018 or the start of 2019. But um, uh, Jeff, the, the the top guy for Heel Face, um, he was working um, in kind of a, a secondary role with Sabotage at the time. And I believe he has family up here in Chicago. So uh, he had heard good things about Freelance, which is the top company here in Chicago. And um, I was in the midst of my my fierce battle with Kylie Ray at that point. So uh, he got to come up here and he saw one of the shows where we were doing our thing and just as fate would have it, like he took a liking to me, he got in touch with me um, after the show that he was at. And and yeah, we just kind of kept in contact and he put in a word and, um, and actually Thunder Rosa was, was a big part of that too. Cause she and I uh, had worked together here in Chicago and uh, she was affiliated with uh, sabotage at that time too so um just kind of the two of them just had the idea to bring me down there let me cause the chaos that i was causing up in chicago down there uh, in texas and and yeah it all just kind of started by by happenstance that way that's awesome heel face wrestling is amazing they uh i don't think they get enough credit for all that they do uh especially here in the indies in texas yeah they're they're really kind of the lifeblood of of the scene down there and have been for a while. Um, and that's another thing I've started to kind of appreciate more as my career has gone on is like, you really appreciate the behind the scenes people, the ones that, you know, the set up the rings that do the lighting that record the shows that make all of us look as good as we want to look. So yeah, those guys are, are definitely uh, underappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. The rock stars. Um, <laughs> Before I ask you this one question that I generally start my show with, but we kind of got, I wanted to go on that, on the other tangent that we started off, which was kind of nice and organic, but have you always been GPA or when did, when did like you really figure out that that's the, that's the direction of your character you wanted to go in? Um, yeah, I've actually, this is who I've been from, from day one. Um, I got the idea because when I started training, um, you would, you would like you would do your training class and then it was a requirement that afterward y'all hopped in the car and drove around town and passed out flyers um so in the midst of that you know we're all just bsing in the car like we always do and we were discussing something just really dumb and trivial but i was like breaking it down in a really unnecessarily like analytical way and uh one of the guys in the car was like you know, we always do that. Like we always just sound so smart, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's what we're going to have for lunch or girls or whatever, like you always sound so smart. And so I kind of took that idea and it was like, well, I don't feel like I'm doing that intentionally. So if that's kind of the vibe that I'm giving off, then I can just run with that, you know, and as they say, turn the dial up to 11 and just be this obnoxious smart guy. So that's kind of where that all started. But yeah, that was uh, pretty much a day one thing for me. Cool. <clears throat> yeah oh that makes sense i mean specifically over like the last 
I want to say maybe 10 months, I've, I've really watched your Twitter because you started, you started putting out some really, I don't know, like during the midst of everything that was going on, there was very few people that kind of put out tweets uh, that I thought were like authentic and genuine. It came from their heart. They really meant what they said. Um, they were going to stand behind the things they tweeted. And one of those people for me was you. Um, and I was like, it's kind of funny that his character is GPA, but he's like putting out these really insightful, wise, like from the heart tweets. Uh, not to say that I agreed with every single thing that you put out. I think that would be wild if we disagreed on every single point. But I just, I just really, for the most part, I did though, like, which is also, I mean, like 90%, I'd say. Uh, I can't tell you the 10%, the ones that I don't agree with. I didn't have them written down or anything, but, um, but I was just going to, yeah. So like that for me, I doesn't have anything to do with your, like your character. I think it has something to do with like you as a human being and just like being informed about what's going on and having a, an intelligent, empathetic take on, on the world today. So I just wanted to point that out. I think we'll, we'll probably get into Twitter a little bit more in a bit because that seems to be the, the hot take in indie wrestling these days. Um, but the normally the way I start this show is by asking just one very specific question. I think it holds a lot of weight. Um, I think it's a, it's normally a question that people use kind of just to say hello, but I think if we can start answering it a little bit more honestly and openly, um, that it can, uh, it can kind of ease some of the, the divide that we have a bit and maybe help people release some of these, um, like painful emotions that they may have and at least find someone to talk to. So I'm going to ask you, how are you doing? Um, like for real, for real, for real. <laughs> um, it's funny with, with questions like that, it's almost, uh, like depends on the day that you catch somebody on, you know, at least I, I feel like it's that way for me. Um, so much of it, like, I, I feel like I'm like a windsock, like it just, it's all dependent on what's happening in the world. You know, if, if everything looks like it's kind of trending in the right direction, then I feel, you know, normal and upbeat and I can kind of go about my mundane things throughout the day. Um, if things are taking a downturn, like they have more often than not, then I kind of get that overwhelming sense of dread and, you know, you kind of feel helpless to the, the whims of the world. But I would say in, in this moment, I'm, I'm decent. Like, I think this is probably the high end of how I can feel during all this, you know, um, like, uh, and as we're recording this, you know, we have inauguration day and a couple days and there's all kinds of stress and drama surrounding that. And so it's like, if I, if I try to take things minute by minute, and as is often said, if I try to just focus on things that I can control, then, you know, I generally feel uh, quote unquote normal, but, um, when I start to zoom out a little bit and, and see, you know, the, the country at large and the world at large, that's when uh, things get a little bit heavy. So, um, I, you know, but overall, I'd say that I'm doing about as well as I personally can be doing in a time like this. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, what, what kinds of things, cause I know you live, you live with your partner. Um, <laughs> What kind of uh, things maybe have you? Yes, the great Laney Luck. Yeah, she's a rock star. Um, what kind of things did you do personally or did you guys maybe do together um, during lockdown uh, or when you're just living together just in general when things did get super heavy um, and you didn't really have a, maybe you didn't have the escape of, of going to wrestling 
um, and you're just kind of there with each other, you know? Yeah, and, and I think just the fact that we are together has kind of been the, the key to the whole thing. Um, you know, we've, we've just kind of ridden the roller coaster together. So when times are at their worst, you know, we're there to bounce our feelings off each other there. When things are looking up, we're there to celebrate together. So I think just the fact that we are together has kind of been our approach to handling everything. It, it's funny because I'm, I'm such a kind of an introspective person that I'm very, very grateful that I've uh, found myself with her during this time because I think if I were just internalizing the world during all this and I was alone, like I don't, I don't know if that's a hole that I ever could have crawled out of. So um, yeah, so I mean, we haven't, we haven't done anything like spectacular because I mean, for one, we're all very limited in what we can do. You know, we can't travel, we can't, you know, go to do this, do that. Like we've just kind of developed a routine. I remember during, during like the heat, the the, the thickness of the, the lockdown when nobody could do anything, you know, we would just go on daily walks and uh, she was getting really into like uh, at home yoga. And, you know, she was, she's definitely the, <laughs> the more uh, motivated one of the two of us when it comes to, you know, staying active and just kind of trying to keep up the routine as best we can that we kind of had before all this. Um, <clears throat> you know, she's very committed to her daily workouts and she wants to get outside and see the sun and do all these things that if left to my own devices, I would not do so. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, you know, we've all, we both just kind of leaned on each other during this time because uh, I think we've, we've needed to. And I think for all of us, we're kind of finding that that's how we have to get through this is, is as best we can is uh, just lean on people, whether it's people that we happen to live with or, friends via things like this with zoom and social media or or whatever but but yeah we're just kind of dealing with things as they come and we're doing it together that's beautiful because for for a lot of people who are living together during the pandemic and especially during the 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 really intense parts of the lockdown that their their relationships broke you know they're and that's that's a tough pill to swallow, right? Not only you're dealing with a lockdown, you can't really leave. And now you're finding out that you're not really compatible, or you may not even like the person that you're with. <laughs> and you know, that's difficult. So you would say during all of this that you and you and Lainey's relationship got stronger? Yeah, I would say so. Um, and again, I'm very, very fortunate for that, because I have been in relationships that I guarantee you, if I had been stuck in these circumstances with past partners, it would have been ugly. <laughs> like it would have would have blown up and it would have been a, uh, a literal fire, not a figurative fire, unlike the literal fire that I was in uh, over the summer. But yeah, no, it was, uh, uh, yeah, we've, we've, you know, we, cause we all, we both kind of have like uh, personalities that don't necessarily lend themselves to uh, super closeness with people, but for whatever reason, like, because of how I am, because of how she is, we're very compatible and that we can spend, you know, inordinate amounts of time together and it's not an issue. So, um, so yeah, fortunately, because of how much time we've had to spend together, it hasn't been an issue. And like you said, if anything, it's kind of uh, brought us closer together because I think any relationship is strengthened when it's able to uh, deal with major adversity and still exist throughout all of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's weather tested. It's got to be, you know. Yeah. 
you know, no one's, no one person or relationship is not going to step in shit. And so what, what happens when you do step in shit, you know? So I think you guys got that figured out, or at least you're, you're, you're figuring it out together, which is the best part. And uh, yeah, I think we need more of that in today's society. So figuring it out together. Um, but uh, speaking about Twitter again, um, did you, when, so especially when the speaking out movement happened, which were like eight months removed from that, um, did you feel, what? I just said, it seems like yesterday, it's time is so weird. Yeah, it does feel like yesterday. Um, I mean, an eight months removed really from that kind of traumatic experience is not a long time at all. It's like really not. It's not a lot of time for the people who shared their stories. It's not a lot of time for the people who got called out to try to start healing. Um, it's, yeah, it's just not a lot of time. But anyways, um, with that said, um, when that started uh, happening on Twitter, did you feel as someone who's active on social media and has a following and has a fan base and tweets regularly, um, did you feel pressure to say something about that? Or was it something naturally that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I guess pressure is a way that you could sort of describe it. It, it because of, of the nature of that specific issue and with it being um, definitely a more uh, female focused issue, I didn't feel like it was my place to sort of, you know, bang my shoe on the table and stand up and say, these are my thoughts and all of you should listen to me on this issue because I have important things to say. Like it wasn't one of those kinds of things. It was one of those where I felt I could be supportive. I could amplify voices that I felt maybe needed more of a platform. Um, but as, as we've seen with other issues that might not uh, involve us directly, I think uh, listening was more important for me to do at that time than anything else. So I know I chimed in with some things here and there um, and just kind of gave sort of temperature checks uh, on a frequent basis, but I didn't really feel like it was my place to try to make grand points and draw the attention to myself because that was really more of something for the the women of wrestling to sort of unite over and and make sure that their voices were being heard at that time yeah and and now yeah like i said eight eight months removed not a lot of shows happening since then so so we can't really see specifically the change that needed to be made but do you think with the shows that are running and the things that we are doing as a as you know, a group of independent professional wrestling, do you think we're headed in the right direction with that specific issue of like safeguarding and making things, uh, you know, safe and inclusive and, uh, you know, and taking those measures? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say yes, but I can't definitively say that I've seen like hard examples of better policing going on within the industry because there are people, you know, on national television right now who had very heavy accusations levied against them and there wasn't really much punishment handed down via you know the company or even the, the co-workers or anything so um i mean it's going to be up to i think the biggest companies in uh, we'll say indie wrestling to sort of uh set the tone for all that because i mean we've i'm sure we've both seen small companies just kind of use whoever like uh, unfortunately 
it doesn't really matter what kind of person you are there's always a place that's going to take you so you know i'm i'm never going to hold out hope for like the entire industry to turn their backs on people that don't deserve to be in it but i think a, a strong example can be set by by the top companies to no longer you know do business with people that have been proven to be problematic who have you know ample evidence uh, stating that that you know they should not be uh, included in this community so um and and, and to that uh idea i guess i haven't really seen any problems out of the time come i mean a lot of places are running right now so you know that's part of it too but you know i'd say the ones that have been running have you know they've been saying the right things they've been trying to do the right thing so at least there's an awareness now um but as with any major issue like that like it's going to be uh an ongoing process and it's going to be up to both the wrestlers and the fans to keep these companies in check too so if they see things happening or if they see things moving in the wrong direction it's up to all of us to make sure that we point that out and try to make sure we don't you know backslide to the same place we were before all this how, how much differently do you think the um the whole speaking out thing would have would have been if shows were running regularly the same way they used to be do you think it would have gotten as much attention uh, and you think they're like, because you can't really make those, those real deep, adequate changes while everything is still rolling. Um, and so how do you think that played a, played a part in the whole movement and, and bringing more awareness to those kinds of things? I mean, honestly, I think the fact that we weren't running at full speed at that time really helped the fact we were all able to slow down and focus on the issue at hand. Because, I mean, that's just life now. It doesn't matter if it's this issue or anything. Like, it all just gets washed away by the news cycle within 48 hours. So I think the fact that all this started coming out at a time when we were all forced to just sit and slow down and focus on things one by one, that really helped uh, shine a light on what people were trying to say. Because um, if this had happened during a normal time, I think it would have been a big issue for, you know, 24 to 48 hours and then something wacky would have happened on the weekend shows and people would have forgotten about it. And so, you know, it, um, I think that for the attention that it was given, hopefully that means that it'll affect more change going forward. But, um, but again, we'll see, like it, it's up to all of us to make sure that, you know, we're, we're enforcing all these, these rules and regulations that we've been pushing for this whole time. But, um, but yeah, it, I think that it, it definitely helped the fact that we were able to focus so strongly on it at the time, because if it were a normal time, it would have been, you know, out of the news cycle quickly, unfortunately. Yeah, so I'll just reinforce what you said. It's up to us as wrestlers to actually stand behind the things that we said and the things that we care about and take action in the appropriate direction, so just echoing that statement um what's I mean, difficult about that is that you know unfortunately i think all of us have pretty close degrees of separation to a lot of the names that were thrown out there like whether it's people who had companies or people who were just very influential in you know a certain part of the country or a certain genre of wrestling or whatever it is like i don't think any of us were that far removed from 
the people that had accusations levied against them. And so that's kind of always been one of wrestling's bugaboos is that, you know, we put our personal uh, advancement over everything, over our integrity, over our friendships, over our relationships. You know, there's, there's so much that we tolerate because we want to get ahead in wrestling. And I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle going forward is, is can all of us take the betterment of uh, the community overall and put that ahead of our own betterment and, you know, remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavy, you know, it's uh, but it's very important, but I think, yeah, you're, you're right for sure. Um, and speaking about uh, uh, Twitter, social media in general, um, how have you um, kind of uh, remained informed about what's happening and also maintained uh, a level of sanity by not just doom scrolling 24 seven? Have you, have you figured out a balance? Because um, some days I'm, I'm crushing it and other days I'm like, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I've figured out what I would call a healthy balance. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is if I have enough going on in my personal life during the day that it can like distract me and, and literally stop me from doom scrolling. Cause you know, as they say, idle hands are the devil's playground. Like if I have nothing to do, then I'm just going to sit here and stare at the world and just be horrified at what I'm seeing. So I think if I, if I have things that I can do, whether it's, you know, my day-to-day job or, hitting the gym or video games or literally any other like constructive uh, distraction that helps me uh, regulate my, my doom scrolling time. But, but it's weird because with the nature of the problems that we're facing, sometimes it feels irresponsible to look away. Like mm. we have to for mental health, but at the same time, you know, it, 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 sometimes it feels like any day could be the end. And like, I need to, I need to be informed and I need to know. And if there's things that I can do or, there's things I need to be informed about for my own safety or whatever it is. Like I want to be that informed. So um, yeah, so it's, it's very difficult to, to find the balance of both kind of that blissful ignorance for your own sanity, but at the same time remaining informed because we're in extremely historically significant times. And, you know, you want to be sure that you're consuming it appropriately so that it can kind of dictate how you act going forward um but yeah no I don't I don't think I've found the perfect balance yet but I think a lot of it just kind of depends on on where we're at at the time so I feel like this past week has been not so bad like we had the awful insurrection attempt uh whenever it was a week ago two weeks ago at this point um uh yeah that was what January 6th right yeah and it's uh, January 18th today. So yeah, almost two weeks removed. Yeah. So I feel like it's been, you know, and then we had the impeachment after that. So there's like, there's been things going on, but in terms of like direct, serious, oh my God, follow it minute by minute stories, we've been okay the last few days. So I've allowed myself to just sort of, you know, I've been playing video games a lot. I've been, you know, working, doing whatever I can. So, um, so yeah, I think that like distractions are, are a big uh, key during all this. Like if you have other things that you have to do or just really, really want to do that don't involve 
uh, scrolling social media, then I think you should take advantage of those uh, as much as you can while you can. Have you, um, when you are trying to prioritize your mental health um, during all of this, have you, have you found what works for you? I talk a lot about um, having a mental health toolkit. I think it's like a wildly important idea um, because most people want to uh, start prioritizing their mental health when they get into a crisis. Like that's when we ask for help when we're spiraling out of control. And at that point, it's really hard to figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. There's so much information on social media that it can be just almost overwhelming. Like I should journal, I should meditate, I should walk, I should do this, I should do that, I should call for help, I should text the hot. Like, and you don't know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And if the first thing you try doesn't work, it's all bullshit and then you're just gonna keep spiraling. And I get that because we're in a, we're in a hard spot. So I always say that it's best to find out about your mental health toolkit or what works for you when you're feeling decent. Just try a few things out, you know, what works and have a list of two, three, four things that you can go to when you're feeling like things might be, uh, might be getting um, bad for you. Um, so have you found anything for you yourself that, that helps you in your, in your mental health journey? I, I think for me personally, it is pretty much about routine. Um, I'd say I'm a pretty routine oriented person. Um, so if I know that I can wake up tomorrow, have breakfast, go to work, come home, take it easy, go to the gym, come home, watch a movie, play video games, whatever. If I like know that that's gonna be my foreseeable future, then I think that kind of calms me down a little bit. And I, I pretty much know the pockets of my day where I'm gonna just consume social media and do the scroll and all that. But it's like, at least I know when it's coming. So mm -hmm. I can kind of be prepared, you know, like, okay, well, I know tomorrow at one o'clock, I'm just gonna, feel like the world is ending and then it's like okay but then I, after that I'm gonna get busy I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that so I think yeah for me it's it's sort of the power of routine is what keeps me regulated um I feel like the maybe the worst of it was the initial lockdown period where everything went away so we went from having everything we wanted to having nothing so I couldn't you know there was no work there was no gym there was no wrestling there was no nothing like it went from all to nothing and so um that was hard because it was just you know and then the, the the george floyd incident happened shortly after that and then things just started spiraling and spiraling spiraling so um but now that we've reached for better or worse uh, a point in this country where we can kind of do what we want to do relatively um that's kind of helped me level out um and again, just having people, you know, whether it's Laney or, you know, my, my parents or whoever, like it's having people that I can bounce my feelings off of when they get too heavy. Because again, I, I internalize a lot. I'm a very kind of introspective person, but, you know, when we go through the things that we go through uh, during times like this, you just, you reach a boiling point and you have to let it out with other people, whether they're like-minded or whether they're just there to listen or whatever, like you need people that you can uh, just let some of your feelings and emotions out or even just, you know, talk and complain about the same things. Just, you know, you need that, that pressure release. So, um, but yeah, overall, I'd just say uh, routine is kind of my, my safeguard against all this. Yeah. Routine is, routine is very important. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, a lot of people are that way. A lot of people are, are want to handle their problems internally and, and figure it out themselves. Um, but just like you said, there's no problem with at some point asking for help or calling a friend and just being like, Hey, I need to get a few things off my chest. Um, and then, and then continue to go. We all have our own ways of, of dealing with things and we just got to make sure that those ways are healthy. Um, and they put us in the, in the best, uh, you know, mindset possible to do whatever we got to do. So yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And, and I think that like, I mean, I know for me personally, I'm not the type of person who's going to reach out and say, you know, Hey man, I've got some things I really need to talk about. Can we talk about them right now? But I'll, I'll do it in my own way where I'll just sort of like, you know, come in casually and just be like, Oh, well, Hey man, how about, uh, how about that bears game last night? Yeah, that was pretty crazy, huh? Hey, so uh, are you filled with dread every moment of your day? Like, you know, it'll do. It'll, <laughs> it'll start small, but then I'll, I'll eventually get to the place that I'm trying to get to. But I think, yeah, anybody that gets kind of like an unprovoked message from me, <laughs> like they should interpret that as be uh, just sort of not asking for help, but just know that it's probably going to get heavy or too long. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure those are the texts you're sending are to your people. So they, they probably know you by now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's good. It's always good to have your people that you can, that you feel you can go to. So that's important. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to a buddy, actually, uh, Jason Cade. No, I'm sure you yeah. Him or know him. But yeah. yeah, he's um, awesome. Yeah, he is. And he's off social media right now, but um, he and I have kept in touch throughout all this. And, you know, I think for both of us, like we're both kind of each other's uh, pressure release, but I remember talking to him about like, you need, you need people who kind of, play certain roles when it comes to your mental health. So like, I know that there are some people that I can talk to on a certain level. And then there's other people that I can talk to on kind of a deeper level and whether it's personal things, professional things, whatever. So like he and I kind of have one of those friendships where like, if there's something that I know, I just can't say on social media <laughs> because I'm going to get a ton of heat for one reason or another. Like he's one of those guys that I can say it to him. So it's out of my system, but you know, like somebody needs to hear it. So, and I can't just say that to anybody because then they might say it to somebody else and then it becomes this whole rigmarole. But like, you need those friends that you can definitely say exactly what you want to say to. And then other friends you can just kind of have general deep conversations with. But I think it's important to have those people that you know, like not what they're good for, but like, you know, that if there's certain things you need to say or do, those are people that you can turn to. Absolutely. I think that goes, I think that goes absolutely hand in hand with the mental health toolkit. Cause you know, exactly if you're feeling a certain way or you need a certain thing to get off your chest, you have the, you know, exactly who you can go to, uh, in those moments. And that's super important, you know? Um, and yeah, I, Jason's awesome. We've had a few pretty intense conversations at some shows. So he's a, he's a lovely guy. I hope he's doing all right. Um, where's he at? Is he in Florida still? Yeah, he's in Florida. He is like I think right in the Orlando area, so he's kind of like right in the midst of all the like PC uh, wherever they're filming Raw and SmackDown and stuff. Like he's right in that area right there. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, he's, he's doing well. You know, again, as well as people can be in, in times like this. But yeah, he's you know he seems to be finding uh, constructive ways to spend his time. I know he's doing a lot of training down there with all those guys, and you know, just kind of keeping himself busy. So yeah, he's doing pretty well. Sweet. Um, 
Yeah, so I want to just flip directions a bit. I want to talk about Mia Khalifa. <laughs> Which, hey, they, who wouldn't, you know? Wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, first, yeah, we're, we're just flipping the script, I guess. Um, okay, so I would like for you to tell the people who Mia Khalifa is, why she's famous, and how you know her, and why she's uh, your favorite wrestler. <laughs> Um, so, uh, let's see, she, uh, I'm not even sure how you would describe her currently. I don't, I know she's, uh, let's say a entertainment personality, maybe. Yeah, I want to say she's in like sports-ish. Yeah, I know she works with, I think like some of the gambling sites and does like predictions and stuff like that. But um, yeah, but I mean, she, she made her name in the adult entertainment industry mm-hmm. um, and She's, I guess, maybe famous or infamous, depending on perspective and some of the things that she's gained her fame uh, fame from. But, um, but yeah, that that whole situation was very uh, unique because honestly, I didn't really know much about her prior to her whole wrestling association. Um, so I mean, the whole story is a few years ago she came out and she had some disparaging things to say about professional wrestling uh, because she was on some kind of panel show where they were discussing uh, Ronda Rousey transitioning from UFC to WWE. And she just crapped all over the idea of going from a quote unquote real sport to a fake sport. And, you know, it's embarrassing and yada, yada. And so of course wrestling being the way it is like, you know, it's okay when we crap on each other, but outsiders are not allowed to crap on us. Like that's, that's the line. You can't say bad things. I can say bad things. Um, so she got a whole bunch of negative attention and a bunch of hate from people. And then kind of being the, the savvy businesswoman that she is, uh, Thunder Rosa reached out to her privately because um, Thunder Rosa was still kind of the head of Sabotage at that time. And they were running in Austin, which is Mia Khalifa's hometown. So Thunder Rosa kind of had the idea of like, hey, you know, now that you've got all this heat, like, do you want to? make money off of it and you know take advantage of it and come on down so they were doing uh one of their big uh war of the vendor shows and it just so happened that you know the way things worked out uh they were able to get mia to make an appearance on that show um and by all accounts that was her first like prolonged exposure to professional wrestling so uh the layout of that building was they had the ground floor and they had an upper level and uh, I was one of the first, I think, two or three matches on that show. And she just happened to be watching from the balcony at that time. And it was me and Kylie Ray that was our first, like, big one-on-one match. Um, it was a real good match. I really, really enjoyed it. Crowd was really into it. And I think Mia just had a blast watching it. So, like, I finished the match, walked upstairs. And one of the first people to come running up to me was was Mia Khalifa. She was like, oh, my God, that was so great. That was so much fun. Like, can I take a picture with you? Like, my followers loved it. I guess she was live streaming it on her Instagram or something. She was like, That's oh, awesome. That's so awesome. It really is. And I was thinking about it. Like, technically, that might be one of the most viewed matches I've ever had because she's got like, millions of followers. And if she was sure. to all of them, like, who knows what the actual final numbers turned out to be. But um but yeah, no, she just kind of bum rushed me and she was fangirling and freaking out. And I was like, whoa, hell yeah. Like, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, I'll take a picture. Sure. I didn't really even realize like 
the scope of it until she posted the picture that we took. And within like hours, I had 200 new followers and, you know, a billion comments and just, yeah, it's crazy the power of uh, social media. But yeah, no, that was all just sort of, sort of happenstance. It's kind of the way that those things work in wrestling. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, was that, is that show in Austin? Is that where Sabotage runs, right? Yeah, they have a couple different venues. I feel like I, feel like I should know that. <laughs> one, because uh, I'm trying to think where you and I, the last one you and I did together, it was, I don't think that was in Austin. No, that was at uh, Southern Junction in Dallas. Yeah, that sounds right, because it was like a dual branded show with, mm. uh, whoever else was down there but yeah now this one was in austin i think it's the come and take it bar whatever it's called um but yeah no that that's a real cool venue like i love those kinds of uh unorthodox atmospheres for wrestling you know because there's always kind of the cookie cutter oh we're in a bfw hall or we're in a gymnasium but like when you can get those cool like bar atmospheres with balconies and people in weird places and the ring in a weird place like i love those kinds of uh weird settings for wrestling yeah speaking of that besides freelance because i know they have a really dope setup at that place that they run um what are the what are the and sabotage and you just talked about that that place what are the other couple favorite venues that you've wrestled in um so i i did like the early show for uh beyond wrestling a few years ago uh me and a group of the freelance guys were just doing like a little northeast tour um and we got to work there. It wasn't like the full beyond experience because I've seen how it is when it really fills up like for the night shows. Um, but it was still cool. Like it was during the day and they just have people all over there right up against the ring. Um, that was really cool there. Like, and actually, you know, you mentioned freelance, but I feel like the true um, like peak of freelance in terms of atmosphere was when it first started because we ran in a place called the Abbey Pub in Chicago. And it was almost like an old school sort of Elks Lodge feel from like ECW where it was two levels and the fans on the second level were literally right over the ring. So if they reached over and like extended their hand, it like could go past the top rope. They were right there on top of you and they had fans all around the ring. I think it was a like a kind of a punk rock concert venue uh, when it wasn't holding wrestling shows, but it just had perfect atmosphere and the way that they were shooting it at the time really captured just how unique the place was so I think and, and unfortunately that place uh had a real bad fire that they've been trying to recover from for the past I don't know probably four five years now at this point but um yeah that was that was like to me that's what made freelance freelance I think that's when it really started to capture people's attention on a national level because you saw the footage you saw just how crazy and intense the atmosphere was and that's really kind of what gave it that unique uh, aura that it still has today um but yeah no, I've, I've wrestled in a lot of places that are unique for good reasons and unique for bad reasons and i'm sure you've done the same thing um to me i love uh street festivals like anytime you get to wrestle in a place that doesn't know what wrestling is i think that's a really cool thing to do because you get to bring it back to the basics and people are just so fascinated by what they're seeing like yeah. you know you freaking put on a headlock and give somebody a shoulder tackle and people just <laughs> he knocked that guy down oh my god and like 
you know, yeah. I wish, you know, it'd be great if all shows could still be like that, but. Um, we could wrestle for 70 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cause yeah, I think when you do this long enough, like the fans who are not saying anything disparaging about them, but they're, they get educated to a certain point where you have to think like two and three steps ahead to really capture their attention. But when you go out to just the casual people, the everyday people, like they have zero understanding of what they're watching. So they appreciate everything about wrestling so much more. The, the look, the moves, the just all of it. Like just the ring itself, they're so fascinated before the show even starts. Like, oh my God, look at this ring. Take a picture of me in front of this cool ring. Like, you know, it's such a simple uh, dynamic when you get out in front of just normal people. Yeah. I love that vibe. Yeah, it's great. It feels good. You know, you feel like you're appreciated for like all this hard work and like trying to master this skill, which is like un, not masterable. I don't even know if that's a word, but whatever. But they, yeah, they seem to just appreciate like the simple dynamics of it. And it, it's awesome. Yeah. So you're totally right. And I think it's, it's a good uh, training tool for younger wrestlers too, because when you do just basic shows, sometimes we kind of tie ourselves in knots trying to outsmart both the fans and ourselves and I remember the one of my favorite uh, quotes from a trainer was I did a William Regal seminar a number of years back and his his philosophy that he wanted us to take into every match is if you took two random people off the street and sat them in the crowd could they follow what you're trying to do in the ring mm. and I think when you do uh, like festival shows, that's literally what's happening is you're just taking people who are happening to walk by at the time and they're now watching this show that's starting and is what you're doing in the ring gonna be uh, translatable to these everyday people who don't understand wrestling. So, you know, if you and I have a match, you know, we're not gonna get in there and start, you know, ding, 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 reverse Rana, dive, you know, brain buster on the apron, like, you know, it would be dumb to do that because they don't understand anything. So if I, you know, lock up with you and you push me down and go, ah, I'm Jackson, uh, Jackson Stone, I'm big and strong. This guy sucks. You know, they're going to go, boo, I hate Jackson Stone. <laughs> I want another guy to win. He's better. Like, you know, it's, it's such a good atmosphere for young wrestlers to really just take things down to the basic level and just focus on entertaining people, just entertaining everyday average you know, Joe people, like just break this down to what it's always been intended to be. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, when's the last time that you had a wrestling match? It's been a while, yeah? Yeah, it was uh, early March. I did a, a four-way for uh, first wrestling up in Minnesota. and uh, Was that at the synagogue? No, it was... Oh. Uh, it was in a mall, like they, I don't know if they were renovating or what, but they had this big, like, I don't know if it was a JCPenney or something, but like it had all been hollowed out and they were able to like rent that space and just fill a bunch of people in there. So it was really cool. Like, again, a, another unique atmosphere, you know, who, who would have thought of wrestling in a hollowed out department store, but that seems to be like the, the going trend right now. There's a lot of places doing that. Yeah. Cause I know first wrestling is running out of a synagogue and I, just very, very, very excited about it. Uh, I've never, I've wrestled in a few churches, but as a Jewish man, I've never wrestled in a synagogue yet. And so I 
can't wait for that chance. And it's like the synagogue of Aaron, which is like my name. So like, you know, I feel like it's spot on, you know, but anyways, uh, do you have any, um, do you have any matches planned or like what's next for you? No, every, everything is, is to be determined at this point. Um, in a way, like, I don't want to say it's, it's a good thing, but like with the, the restrictions being what they are in Chicago, um, it's just not even a consideration to do shows right now, whether it's empty arena or, you know, limited capacity or anything like they're just not at that point. So, you know, there's nothing on the horizon for freelance or underground or any of the places that I would normally run, which to me, it, I'm, again, I don't want to know if it's right to say that I'm happy about it, but like with my personal beliefs on the pandemic and wrestling and all that, like, I don't want to be in a position where I have to make a choice. You know, it's like, either you do what's right for the company or you do what's right for yourself and you have to make that choice. Like, I'm kind of glad that the choice is taken out of my hands. Cause you know, it's, it's been my philosophy from the start. I just, I don't want to do shows. I don't want to travel. I don't want to be around people that have been traveling. Like it just seems very overall irresponsible to me. So, um, so yeah, I think not, and at this point with how far along we are, I think it's, it's a matter of I'm not doing anything until I'm vaccinated. Like, it's just, you know, if, if we've come this far, then why start, playing in the fire right now so so yeah I mean it could be and again that's to be determined too so that could be I'll be ready in a couple months I'll be ready in six months I'll be ready in a year who knows it just kind of depends on how things progress in this country yeah yeah you're sticking sticking to your guns man that's amazing I respect the shit out of that so <laughs> kudos to you and like and and I don't want it to come across like I'm looking down on the people that have chosen to do shows. I know you've done shows and, and Lainey's doing shows. I mean, she's at a show right now. Like there's, you know, it, I don't begrudge the people that have chosen to stay active during this time. But I think what, what it comes down to for me is that normally with wrestling, anything that we do that's dangerous or irresponsible, whatever, the consequences are all just on us. So like, if I wanna go out there and do a 450, onto a burning table, onto a concrete floor, the, ones that's gonna, the one that's gonna suffer the consequences is me. So like if I get hurt, if I ruin my life, that's on me. But like the fact that if I go out there and I get myself sick and then I come home and I go to work and I get other people sick, that's what gets me. Like I can't, the fact that my choices could now start adversely affecting the people around me is what stops me from even taking that first step like it's just not worth it to me at that point yeah yeah i mean i i don't view it as um as you looking down on me or anyone else doing shows really i just feel i mean like i said before yeah like i feel like you're i respect you for that decision and, and for sticking to what you believe i think that's admirable and i think more people should uh to to stand behind the things that they say and take the action behind the things they say so yeah cool i think it's cool yeah, and I've, I've just got too many people, like, directly. I think the, the people that I'm closest to in my life are particularly vulnerable to the virus. And so it's just a non-starter for me. Like, you know, if, if I was by myself or if I was, my group was just a bunch of, you know, early 20s, strong young people, maybe I'd be a little bit more bold about it. But, like, you know, my parents are high risk. Uh, you know, Lainey technically, technically qualifies as high risk. And so yeah, it's just the the risks are not worth the reward to me. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I hope you stay healthy, and uh, I, I hope to see you back in the ring whenever whenever we get all this uh, stuff sorted out and everyone's safe and good and we're moving in the right direction. Um, but uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, where should we follow you? Um, speaking of social media. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just any, any last-minute things, handles, merchandise, whatever. Um, yeah, everything, everything I'm doing now is pretty much just social media. Um, uh, Twitter is at GPA thinks, uh, Instagram is, uh, GPA IG. Um, but yeah, no, it, you know, it's so many directions we could go in, in terms of like closing thoughts, but no, nothing, nothing super deep and philosophical. I'm just, you know, hoping that people continue to appreciate like the gravity of what's going on just overall, whether it's the virus or the political atmosphere or the racial atmosphere in this country. Like one of the things that kind of bugs me is that when people seem to actively try to dismiss what's going on, you know, by sort of deflecting attention to something very mundane. So it's like, you know, this country can be on fire, but you want to focus on your breakfast that morning or like, hey, I hit a PR on my deadlift or something like I think there's a time and a place for a lot of that but when things get particularly heavy in in life like I think it's important to be a real person in those moments and kind of focus on those things so like as we you know hopefully we're kind of coming out the other side of this in terms of like the the worst of things uh during this period but I just I want people to make sure that they're not keeping their head in the sand too much like it's it's very important that we keep ourselves informed, uh, listen to smart, responsible people who have our best interests in mind and just kind of appreciate what we're all going through right now. Like, I don't think this is a time to pretend that everything is is normal because it's not. And, you know, it, it'll bring you down and you'll, you'll go through some tough times. But like, I just think that knowledge is a very powerful tool and it's, it's important to keep yourself informed right now. Absolutely. Yes. Beautiful closing remarks. I won't, uh, I won't add anything else to that. Um, thank you very much for joining me today, dude. Uh, I appreciated this conversation a lot and, uh, maybe we'll see each other in person soon. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I, you know, I'm, I'm holding out hope that by the end of the year, we'll be back to all of our, our crap and traveling and doing our shows and living life the way we want to. So that's, that's my hope for the year. We'll be back to normal by the end of, of 2021. All right. I'm with it. Well, you have a good rest of your day and uh, take care of yourself. And for those that listened or watched or, you know, uh, whatever, thank you for watching. Um, go follow GPA, uh, give us a review on Apple podcasts and uh, also go follow Lainey. She's a rock star. Um, and yeah, take good care of yourselves. Peace. Yeah.